Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today on the inaugural edition of the Business Finance and Marketing Podcast on Sinai Radio Network. Uh, it is a tremendous honor to be here. My name is Jacob Rupp. I am a coach, rabbi, um, father, husband, entrepreneur, and I have loved loved um, the process uh, to which I come to you today because it is very unconventional. And a lot of, perhaps for me, it was very unconventional. I did not go to business school. I did not get a finance degree. Um, I have what a lot of people call the, uh, you know, the middle-class uh, burden of, of someone that grew up in a very, thank God, very uh, financially stable life in the beginning. And then I felt very out of place with finances down the road. Uh, when my parents got divorced, my dad took off with the money and left my mom, who hadn't worked for, I don't know, you know, 16, 17 years, um, to figure things out. And what was very difficult for me about that process was that for me, money became a lot less about, well, let's, let's take it back a little bit more about money. Um, first of all, first, and, and, and why are we doing this, by the way? Because I think what you'll find out, hopefully, is that we all got a script. We all got a story. And it all ties back deeply into how how we were raised. So even if you start with the with the foundations of the home life that you came from, where you started out, either in your own financial life or in the life that your parents had, uh, we grew up. We had four cars. We had a, a large home and a two car garage, and it was probably a four or five bedroom house in Northern California in a very you know. In a, in a, in a well-to-do suburb. And that was kind of my life. So, and, 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 and I got used to the nice things in life. We talked about back in the day that Target was kind of like not the place to go shop. Happens to be that they did rebrand themselves. So it is a lot nicer, but in general, you know, we like nice stuff. We, we shopped at Nordstrom. We shopped at, you know, even Macy's was, uh, was, uh, slumming it a little bit. I hate to say it, but, um, my script around money was that, First of all, you know, we have an expensive taste, but then especially as I started come, kind of coming into my own, um, my own journey, my own beliefs about money, I, we, we lost it all because my dad took off with the money. And so now I wanted uh, nice stuff, but we just couldn't afford it. And there was no real question in my mind, like, you know, should I go to college? Should I not go to college? Because that was kind of what everybody did. And I never thought about, well, th will this help me make more money? I just assumed it did, but I had no idea how. And, you know, I didn't really, you know, in terms of like the student loans and we paid for it all like that. I didn't know what I wanted when I went to college. And I certainly did not have any desire ever to take another math class again, uh, ever to take anything related to finance, related to business. It just like all that stuff sounded so boring. I had a very close friend uh, for about nine years of my life that was from the womb uh, going to go work at Microsoft. And I just... I just had so little interest in all of that stuff. All of that technical stuff was terrible. And I viewed myself as a creative. I viewed myself as someone that was, um, as, you know, an artist, I guess you can call it. I was going to be a rabbi from early age. I was going to be a reform rabbi, actually. But um, as, as that process went on, I found myself, just thinking about in college, I started, when I started working, so either A, I worked at a, at a, at a Hebrew school, right, which I didn't enjoy so much, um, and, and then when I actually got quote real work, uh, I get, and I got paid decently at the, at the Hebrew school, but it was like an hour and a half a day. Um, 
excuse me, a week. And when I started working at um, like the actual workforce, so that already I started the the idea of what a an honest day's work actually costs. And, you know, I was making uh, south of minimum wage, I'm assuming. I forgot my first job was either, I think it was probably like men's furnishings in Macy's, which means like six to eight hours a day of, of folding shirts and belts and shoes. Uh, you don't fold the shoes, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, a little bit of customer service, but it was just like the most horrifically boring experience of my life uh, until I found my next job, which was Eddie Bauer. And that was also horrifically painful. And then I worked in a, in a, in a pizza store. Uh, that was disgusting. I got fired pretty quickly from that one. And, uh, and then I kind of culminated in when I was in college because, you know, my mom kept sort of like tagging me uh, to say, you, you know, you should work um, because we didn't have any money. I started working in a, as, at a company called 1-800-GOT-JUNK. It's a Canadian uh, junk removal franchise that basically for me, I was driving in a truck up and down in San Diego. I did some work in Los Angeles. And I was a garbage man, but I wasn't like the cool kind of garbage man that everyone's like, oh, you get paid a lot of money. There's great, uh, you know, there's great benefits. No, it was a month. It was a weekly salary, um, an hourly salary rather. And we carried the most disgusting things and had the dirtiest jobs and it was super rough. So I developed this script around the idea that making money was super difficult and it was really not fun. And on top of it, uh, bless, bless, uh, bless my mother's uh, intention. She wanted to take care of all of our needs. And so my money went into like this pot, you know, a pot that she paid out, you know, just covering expenses. And I knew that my money didn't really cover the expenses by any stretch of the imagination. And I didn't ever know how much was in. And I, and I never really had independence over, over money or ever setting a budget. So money was this big, scary thing that when I made the hard-earned money, it just kind of went into a pot that just got drowned out. I didn't really learn anything about financial uh, security. I didn't learn anything about saving. I didn't learn anything about taxes, <laughs> any of this stuff. And my solution was that I'm going to be so unbelievably successful that I would just have enough money. And then once you know my father left, I also added into the mix that I would have to have enough money, not only to be successful, but also to justify and to gratify myself and to get the kind of honor and recognition that I was looking for. All these great traits in a rabbi, right? And um, what happened was when I came out of yeshiva, I found a job that I like to tell people was like the worst job in the world to have coming out of coming out of uh, you know call it grad school whatever you want because it ruined me a as an employee and b for jobs for the rest of my life I was making much 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 more money than I ever had before I was able to comfortably cover my bases um, we lived in Los Angeles I was a rabbi there I found the work deeply rewarding and I got very good at it um, and the challenges that I started to encounter, the fact that it didn't necessarily work for my wife, the fact that I didn't professionally develop, the fact that the organization had some management trouble, um, which is, I think, fairly par for the course for just about any nonprofit job. Uh, none of those things were bad enough for me that I wanted to leave. And I had tons of other colleagues that started at the same time as me, and they all left, and they actually had a ladder a trajectory for their career. But I just basically stayed doing the same thing for about a decade. I loved it. My finances 
the 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 window shrank meaning like in the beginning we're making a lot of money we had very limited expenses and we just spent everything and then as i got older and we had more kids and and more expenses like i my spending habits stayed so i just i just spent i spent i spent i spent and when i ran out of money and and my wife would come to me and she'd say we're you know we're 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 out of it um, I would go into this like tremendous panic because I would feel like we were going to be homeless. I remember actually as a as a kid, I went to Washington D.C. on a uh, on a, on some kind of a mission, and uh, we met a homeless person. And I was shocked because that was right around the time when my mother had had gotten divorced, and I had this this like terrible fear that my mom would be homeless because this woman was, you know. Unfortunately, in in our privileged worlds, we think that there's something wrong with homeless people. And once you actually meet people, just like if you meet anybody that you think that there's just like, ah, you know, what's wrong with them? Uh, you find that they're people and they, ha and they, and they have uh, difficult life circumstances. And uh, I, I met a woman who was homeless, who had become divorced and was not able to provide for herself and it, and it shook me to my core. Um, and so I always operated out of this tremendous fear of, uh, of this tremendous sense of scarcity, this tremendous sense of that I needed to make a lot of money in order to validate myself. And having worked for a, an organization where I was getting a set salary, I didn't ever think, how am I gonna grow my salary? How am I gonna add more value to what I do? It was just enough money and 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 that's it. That's called And that's called for a lot of people, that's called the golden handcuffs, which is that you're making so much money, you don't ever wanna change, but slowly, slowly, either for yourself personally or for the lifestyle around you, the job you have is no longer working. So if the job's not working and the money's not working, what do you do? Answer, fantastic, you panic, right? And you go through these like deep, deep, uh, deep dark nights of the soul and you feel terrible. Well, you know, this is, this is par for the course. I mean, you don't see this on Instagram per se because, you know, you know it's, not, uh, it's not so sexy to show people that you're out of money or that you're struggling with your finances or that you're, you know, you're leveraged up to the hilt and, and if, if one little thing goes wrong, the whole, you know, I mean, it's, it's great. Everyone talks about, this wonderful experience of, of abundance and, and having so much money, but there, there's a lot of problems that come with it. Even if you have a lot, like, you know, a lot of times people's living expenses rises to meet the amount of money they have. And then they have a couple hard months or hard years and they're living way, way, way above their means. Or they, you know, pledge more to, to tzedakah, charity, whatever you want, and philanthropic philanthropic causes. Or they build a business and they're responsible to, to provide the salaries of the people that work for them. But there's this concept of people just having tons and t like the, the, the goal, you know, the goal that everyone talks about, financial freedom, super tough. It's super tough. You have to be very disciplined. I think you have to know what you're doing. And most people don't even think about it. Like most people be like, well, that'd be nice. But um, so as I, as I needed to make this transition, what I realized was I knew nothing about business. I knew nothing about marketing. Uh, and, and it was shocking to me because in, in my job on campus, I was essentially selling Orthodox Judaism, uh, selling trips, selling lifestyle choices. And it was, I was great at it. But when I came out and I took my skills, I want to take my skills in the private sector, no one really got what I did. I wasn't really good at selling myself. I wasn't really good at selling what, what I knew about, which was, which was the ability to persuade. So as a result, what I did was I started learning. I remember the first book, oh, what was it? I, I, you, know, you, you start with all of the classics. Um, now, more than that, I just want to share one other thing. The, there's a... A lot of people talk about the the um, 
in, income inequality, this concept of in, income inequality, that, that, that different people make different money. And one of the sad things I saw in my world, in the Balchuva world, because I became more observant, was that we essentially saw a, uh, a Jew, the Jewish people that we experienced, that we were around, were, were very successful people and had become successful, had built themselves up. Um, and when we were re-entering back into the workforce, you know, the, the people as we start to become from, either you have some like rich guy just give you a job and, and you work your way up or you beg someone for money. But it, it, it doesn't seem, you, you never see, I never saw personally, um, thank, thank, because of my privilege, I never saw like the struggle to build a business or what it means to go through the entrepreneurial journey. Or how does a person deal with risk? How does a person expand their skill set? So the whole thing just seemed like totally like either you have it or you don't. But then when I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to pay for four kids in Beverly Hills, setting up to a private Jewish school uh, and pay for rent? Uh, and and I'd been doing the same thing, which I didn't really know how to explain on a resume to. So I realized I had to start learning. I had to learn something different. And that's really how the journey began. So, you know, I started with the Napoleon Hill, how to win friends and influence people, the magic art of thinking big. As we're talking, I'm just kind of like scrolling through my bookshelf, which much to my wife's chagrin uh, has grown now to fill up about two and a half rooms. Um, there was an amazing book called when, when I stop talking, you'll know I'm dead. Um, where, where it was, a one of the early Hollywood pr pr producers and he was, and he was talking about how, he built, he built like just like the concept of sales, the, the concept of, of being able to influence and, and just like how you can go from nothing to being at the top of the ladder. Robert Greene, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Greene, it was unreal. The idea of the 48 laws of power. Later on, he put out the, the laws of human nature. But I started to realize that all of this stuff, all of the stuff that we see, you know, Amazon, Pepsi, uh, Apple, um, you know, Warren Buffett, Google, Facebook, all of these huge companies, they're all started by somebody. And the fact that I don't think twice about that I shop at Trader Joe's and I love Trader Joe's and I use Trader Joe's products all the time, you know, like someone thought I should make a store like Trader Joe's. I need to create branding like Trader Joe's. And I naturally feel like I, that store is an extension of me. Or I have an iPhone and I have an Apple Watch and I'm recording to you on a MacBook Air and uh, and my my new computer that I got for my new job is a MacBook Pro and there's no question to me once I got marketing and I and and, and honestly it came from reading the the master biography on Steve Jobs by. Walter Isaacson, um, that I got, what does it mean to build a product that represents a person? And I'm repping a shirt from my favorite gym, right? And, 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 it, and it, you know, it's probably cost the same as a different shirt, but it was probably three times as much, four times as much. But I learned like there's a psychology behind, behind all this stuff, frankly, and that really successful people are salespeople. And that's tough because the world we live in today I think is so disgustingly full of, it's just noisy. It's really, really noisy. And we feel like there's a billion different podcasts to listen to. There's a billion different books to read. There's a billion different people that are quote, killing it, except for you. And how do I even like jump in the water and get started? So in addition to learning some of the practical skills, which are important and we'll cover them, practical skills about 
personal finance, about budgeting, about building a business, about branding, about marketing, what's working, what's not working, trends in the marketplace, all this stuff. Reading the Wall Street Journal if you're so if you're so uh, if you're so uh, inclined, right? Before there's all of that, there there's a lot of big psychological shifts that have to happen, and I think that's kind of what I want to start off dealing with, and then we'll get into more in depth strategy based stuff once we really work through some of the mindset components of business. Because at the end of the day, you know, the economy, this is Simon Sinek, famous uh, author who wrote the, the Start With Why, he wrote, in, he wrote in another more recent book that, that really we live in a world where the economy is infinite, that there's an endless amount of money just going around. And no matter how big your company is, you'll find a bigger company. And, you know, as, as big as your company will be, there's always new opportunities for you to make more money. So this concept that I just want to do good enough, it's not real. And it's certainly not real anymore. And the fact that, you know, you hear, you know, what's a, the college kids, it's funny, I had a, uh, someone I was speaking to that went to a great school and got a great job as a CPA and came out and was making 60 grand a year. And I, <laughs> I, was, I was like, are you serious? And the person was like, yeah. I was like, wow, how long does it take before you start like netting any money on your investment? I'm like, well, you know, if I work another 3,000 hours, I'll become a partner. And, I'll, and I'm like, great, how much do we make then? Oh, you have 80, 85. I'm like, okay, great. You know, like, do you like what you do? And they're like, no. You know, so it's 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 super interesting because the system that we that we come from is is really broken because it, it's based on an outdated model. So one of the models is that there's like a, a stability. You know, if I just make X amount of money, then my company will be successful. If I just have this amount of money in the bank, then I'll be successful. It's it's not true. There's an infinite, an infinite amount of money to make. No matter how much money you make, you will just solely buy yourself up into different levels where different investment opportunities are available to you, different options are available to you, but you're never going to get out of the rat race on purpose. I'm saying by accident, rather. You're never going to hit a point where you're like, okay, cool, I'm, I'm out. Um, the, the reality is that you have to either take yourself, and this, you know, the truth is this is all it is, frankly, is you have to start by taking yourself out of the rat race. Because once you're out of the rat race and you're not kind of going along these like general, just boring trends of whatever you want to call it, college, you want to call it, um, you know, job mediocrity, you want to call it doing stuff that you don't really like. It's like you're making enough money, but you're not really happy. As soon as you realize like you are on a conveyor belt that's leading you nowhere and just dumping you off a cliff, um, the better you'll be. Because when you jump off the conveyor belt, while it's terrifying because you're no longer moving, um, you are able to produce for yourself a sense of, well, what do I need to get moving? And when you, when you get off said conveyor belt, which will move at one speed, and it's either the right speed for some people, it's too slow for others, and it's too fast for other people, and you start to try to move on your own power, while it's entirely intimidating, you can learn how to run. You can learn how to walk. You can learn how to crawl. You can do it in that order. You can do it in the reverse order. You can tell yourself, I'm working a lot. I'm making not enough money. So therefore, I have to figure out how do I make more money for the amount of time I'm working? Or you can tell yourself, I'm working a lot. I'm making a lot of money but I don't have time for what I like to do, or I don't really like the business that I'm in, and how could I transition? So as soon as you break, start to break this box, 
And this works for, you know, the stay-at-home mom. This works for the college student. This works for the young professional, the millennial, the old the old guy looking for career number two. One of my uh, close friends helps... Um, helps successful just you know like uh like you know doctors and lawyers and stuff like that start a second career in investment in wine right that's interesting so you'd think to yourself well this guy has a you know practiced for 40 years and he and he's you know got a couple million in the bank well if he's still on that conveyor belt his money's not going into wine right he, he like the 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 fact is that there are tons of people that will take advantage of sheep tons of people that will take advantage of sheep and if you want to be a sheep, it's safe, but you're never going to be happy with with where it ends up. And I know, I know that's hard to say. That's hard for a lot of people to hear because we think that maybe because so many people are comfortable being sheep that maybe everyone's really happy and that you, the one that doesn't want to be a sheep, is is weird. And what's wrong with you? And then if there's something wrong with you, then you just try to hide that your feelings are your feelings. And then you have to really start working hard to like hide all the lies and you have to turn towards other things to make you happy. And you have to start start numbing yourself because you're so miserable. And you start making your spouse miserable and your kids miserable. And then you stop believing in yourself. So then you don't really think that you deserve or could ever earn or could ever, you know, have this belief system where you could accomplish anything. And And that's it. That's it. Like that's that, and then that's everything. And then then come the antidepressants. Then comes the you know three four drinks at night. Then comes the marital infidelity. Again, I know I'm talking about big stuff, but um, and I'm not wearing my rabbi hat here. I'm wearing my, my I am wearing a rabbi hat if we're talking about a keeper. But you know I'm not wearing I'm wearing my non-judgmental coach hat in this regard. Like when people are doing. All of the things they they do in order to make themselves comfortable, it's mostly because they've convinced themselves they can't do better. They can't they can't be better. They can't accomplish more. They can't stand up with truth. They can't rely on themselves. And these are all coping mechanisms, frankly. And you know, I was I was I've told multiple people who who look at their actions and say, "Well, why did I do that?" And the interesting thing is, it's like you didn't do it because you needed the thing itself, you did it because you felt so bad about yourself and you're, you were desperate. And when you're desperate, you do desperate things. And what would life be like if you weren't desperate? What if, now slow down, if you're not desperate for the, for the, if you're not desperate, if you don't need the conveyor belt to move you, what if you didn't need all of that stuff? You didn't need your husband to validate you. You didn't need your husband to make all the money. You didn't need, you know, your wife to, uh, to hold down a steady job so you could you could pursue your you know entrepreneurial uh, endeavors. You didn't need the the boss and the and the and the and the you know the four hundred one k whatever it might be. Like, what if you didn't need that? Now maybe you do, but make that be a choice. Make it be a choice that that's what you want, as opposed to say that's what I have, that's what I always have, and I'm not big enough to deserve changing. Because once you start to appreciate, and once you start to have the courage to say, I want more. It's like, you, when you ask yourself, am I happy? You're totally out of whack with yourself because we are really good at knowing we're happy. We have visceral reactions to things when we're in touch with ourselves. It's like, do you like this job? And you'd be like, blah, no. But if you think to yourself, but, you know, there's a nice paycheck, but there's a lot of honor, 
but what else am I going to do to make that kind of money? Then you're like, maybe I, again, again, if you're honest with yourself, you already know, you already know. And we all want something to be proud of. And we all want that sense of contribution. We all want that sense of belonging. We all want that sense of, of, of making the world a better place. And if we're not sure if our job does that, it's safe to assume it doesn't. And if our job does not give us that, or if our finances are in a place where we don't feel good about them, start by stepping out of the victim seat and saying, well, you know, what else was I supposed to do? Because the answer is nothing. You did the best you could with the information you had. But the next more important question is, well, what do I do now? And now for most of my clients are like, yeah, so like, what do I do? And then I answer back, well, what do you want to do? And then people are like, I don't know. I said, okay, well, that's the first problem. So how do you figure out what you want? And then people think to themselves, well, you know, if I didn't have this responsibility or if I didn't have this person in my life, if I didn't have this challenge or setback or if I had X, Y, and Z, then, well, I say, you know, that's a story you're telling yourself that, that, that that's why you're not doing it. But if you can quiet the noise for a little bit, maybe if you told yourself you could do it, you could figure out another way around it. And I think that that's, that's the beginning. I'd say you get on the horse, so to speak, is you tell yourself, you know, it's not working for me. And I can have courage to say it's not working for me. And you don't have to know what's going to work for you because when it works for you, it's going to work. And as long as it's not going to work, as long once it stops working, when you are a conveyor belt type of person, I think that that's now going to be the name of uh, the name of the episode. If you're a conveyor belt type of person, so then if a conveyor belt doesn't move, you're screwed. But if you tell yourself, I'm not going to be a conveyor belt type of person and I'm going to be a self-starter and I'm going to learn to have the courage to stand up for what I want and I'm going to have the, the courage to attempt to love myself enough that I can be honest with who I am and what I want and I can listen to it, path starts to appear. And when the path ceases to appear, and this is one of the greatest things that you learn from every, I really think it's like every great entrepreneur, they had so many failures, but they didn't lose the path, which was that they wanted to build something exciting. And so when the entrepreneur loses the path, the entrepreneur doesn't fall apart because the mission is the same. But if a person says, I just want to try one thing and that'll change my life. So when that one thing doesn't go and your life isn't changed, or when that one thing goes and your life doesn't change. And you're like, well, I thought I needed to make 50 million and then I'll feel good about myself. Then you make 50 million and you're like, oh no, like uh, it's still the same. So that's a person that, that's, that's still a conveyor belt type of person. And our lives are all about getting off that conveyor belt and putting ourselves in a situation where we can learn to listen to ourselves, ask ourselves questions, you know, what do I not know right now? And how am I going to go about finding it? So if it's like, I've never balanced a checkbook, turn on the show. And if you don't know how to, what a check is, ask your grandmother, right? Or <laughs> the role of credit cards, or how do I brand my business? Or how do I do marketing? Or what does that mean? All that stuff, you got to start. And again, I'm not going to promise by any stretch of imagination that I'm the expert. And I'm also not going to promise this is going to give you all the answers. But I can definitely tell you, I can teach you how to ask the questions. And when you ask the questions, you're already good to go. Because you ask yourself, what don't I learn? What don't I know? And then the next question is, who do I know that knows what I want to learn? Just go ask. Then you tell yourself, but I, you know, I don't want to look pathetic. 
or I don't want to share that I'm not happy with my current situation. Okay, well, then you ask the next question. Well, why is that? Well, because I, I need other people to, to you know, to, to give me my, my sense of value. Okay, well, why? Well, then you think to yourself, I, I don't know, maybe maybe because I, I never knew how to believe in myself. Why not? Well, you know, I, I was always kind of told what to do my whole life. And, and, and it didn't give me a lot of trust. I never failed, really. You say, okay, well, is that true? You say, well, no, I did fail. And um, I don't really like being told what to do. And I never really did that. And I like kind of determining my own path. And you say, well, in order to do that, you have to learn how to believe in yourself. And you say, oh, okay. And if you believe in yourself, then you don't really care what other people think, right? And he's like, yeah, that's true. So if you believe in yourself, you don't care what other people think, then go ask that guy or woman, go ask that lady, how did she do what you, what you want to do? You tell yourself, and, and, and worst case scenario, let's say, oh my gosh, they look at you and they say, well, I, I don't have time for you. Then what do you say? Well, this wasn't right for me. But it doesn't mean I'm messed up. It just means I have to ask the next person. Who do I know? Who's the next person I know? So I think with that, the call to action is I'm excited and I hope you're excited. I think that we're going to have a great show and hopefully this will be of value to the listeners. Appreciate the opportunity. My name is Jacob Rupp. My Instagram is at Rabbi Jacob Rupp. My website is www.liftyourlegacy.live. And I've interviewed over 100 leaders in the Jewish world, the non-Jewish world that's relevant to Jewish people. And so if you like this podcast, I have a podcast myself called the Lift Your Legacy podcast, which you can find on iTunes or www.liftyourlegacy.live. Thank you so much.